0: It's hard to believe that only two years ago, Virginia held its last off year election. That's when Republican Glenn Youngkin ushered in a new era of state politics in the Commonwealth.
1: Well, as we've been telling you, the Associated Press, CNN, and now CBS have called the Virginia governor's race for Republican Glenn Youngkin.
0: And after election night, Republicans felt pretty good about themselves. Voters turned a solidly blue state into a squarely purple one by putting a Republican in the governor's mansion flipping the state House and almost flipping the state Senate. All righty, Virginia, we won this thing! In 2021, GOP candidates rode on issues like education and widespread COVID fatigue. Virginia took a conservative turn, and the nation really noticed. The red warning light is really flashing brightly here for Democrats on the Hill. But since then, a lot has changed, most notably the fall of Roe v. Wade, And with early voting starting in Virginia on September 22nd, many people are wondering if the Commonwealth will turn blue again or become a deeper red. And while Governor Glenn Youngkin isn't on the ballot this year, he is leading the charge. The most important election in in the nation, I believe, is Virginia this year. And we are laser focused on holding our house, winning our Senate. To better understand this election and its local and national implications, we bring on WTOP reporter Nick Ionelli. He's been covering the Yunkin administration since day one and Virginia politics more broadly.
1: Virginia is going to be watched by the entire country, by everybody who cares about politics. It's going to be front and center. It's going to be a very big deal.
0: He tells us what's going on now and also puts on his analyst hat to tell us what he thinks will happen in the future. (music) Nick Ainelli, welcome to the DMV Download Podcast. Hello, Luke. It's good to have you back. You know, it's Mm -hmm. election season in the Commonwealth in Virginia yet again. And the last one we saw, a lot of shaking and moving politically (laughs) in Virginia. There was a stiff right turn, you know, uh, with the election of Republican Governor Glenn Youngkin. Um, It was a bit of a surprise, but also just a big, you know, move. We're coming up on another off-year election, and this Mm -hmm. one equally consequential as the last. Before we get into the details... First off, why does Virginia have off year elections? Like, what's the deal with that?
1: Well, that's a good question. And it's something that is often seen as like a bellwether, you know. Uh, if Virginia is having an election, other states are not. Uh, everybody's looking at Virginia to see what's going to happen in the following year. In this case, you know, 2024, quite obviously, is going to be the presidential election. So, Virginia not just being an off-year election, but it's close to the nation's capital. You know? Mm-hmm. It's, and of course it has all the history of being Virginia. Virginia's <laughs> been around for quite a long time. It's got a rich history, as you know. Some of the history's not so great. Some right. of it's some of it it is it is great. But Virginia is one of those states that is just highlighted nationally. And that off-year election thing that you're talking about, that really demonstrates to the to the whole nation what might happen. Uh, in terms of national politics. You mentioned Glenn Youngkin's election. And when that was happening, everybody was watching. That was two Mm. years ago. You know, that was 2021. And uh, the Democrats had held pretty firm control of Virginia for uh, a couple of years. And then all of a sudden, here comes Glenn Youngkin in the middle of the pandemic. uh, Glenn Youngkin, who was painted by his opponent in the election, Terry McAuliffe, as being a Trump person. Mm. Youngkin was able to walk that line that was a very difficult line to walk, to not anger the Donald Trump voters, not turn off the Donald Trump voters, and simultaneously attract moderate voters. So that's why he's become a national figure. And, I, you know, we sat here a couple of years ago, and I talked about— this very how, room. Yeah, I talked about how Glenn Youngkin, in his— inauguration speech, it was pretty clear he was going to be a Republican leader on the national stage because the way he speaks...
2: My fellow Virginians!
1: We celebrate the sound of freedom! He has a certain pastor-like way of speaking when, mm. when he's on, on. alright so we'll, we'll put it that way, when he's <laughs> right. on as a politician Frankly, look, if I want to put on my analyst hat, I haven't seen Glenn Youngkin be as politically impressive as I saw him be when he won his election, when he did his inauguration speech. I was impressed with the way he spoke on Inauguration Day, and I was impressed with his leadership in the days after he was elected. I think that that momentum has solidly died down. I think that that is safe to say. And everyone knows that Glenn Youngkin wants to run for president. Mm. So he's got to do something nationally to get into the national eye. He will be watched in this upcoming election, as we just talked about. It's going to be big, Luke. It's going to be big.
0: Right. Now, notably, he's not actually on the ballot in 2023. So why <clears> is this still important for him, even when his name isn't you know, on these ballots?
1: I think that the way he's playing this is interesting. He's got a lot of very smart people around him. We know that People such as Rupert Murdoch uh, have been pushing him, urging him to get in the election. I'm sure that a lot of people behind the scenes are pushing him because of what he was able to accomplish in Virginia, given that Donald Trump's not a popular figure in Virginia, yet he is a Republican who was painted as being a Trump person by, again, Terry McAuliffe. He was still able to get those votes, still able to get elected he's being watched because of that. Mm. And if Republicans are able to take control of Virginia's General Assembly in this election, that is going to give him... It's not a sure thing, right? I mean, you're a governor. You're running to be president. You can very clearly make the argument that he doesn't have the experience to be president. You can say that. He doesn't have the political leadership experience to be president. You can make that argument, but... If Glenn Youngkin's party in Virginia is able to take control of the General Assembly, and in order to do that, Republicans would have to win control of the state Senate and hold control of the state House of Delegates, it's very possible. You know, we'll talk more about that, I'm sure, in in the next few minutes. But if they're able to do that, we're going to see Glenn Youngkin in the presidential race for sure. I don't see any doubt that that would happen if the Republicans were to win. Uh, If the Republicans don't win, I still wouldn't be surprised if we saw Glenn Early next year, Glenn Youngkin start actually talking about getting into the mm, race, like a
0: late start and running in. Now, Glenn Youngkin is one you know person that's dominating. Obviously, conversations. Another issue is the issue of abortion. You know, since 2021, mm-hmm. Roe v. Wade fell. The you know federal right to an abortion uh, is no longer in this country. As you look to those state house and state senate races, how is this issue of abortion playing in there?
1: It's playing very significantly. Uh, I think that. Every single Democratic voter, well, you know, it's it's hard to paint with a broad brush, but I think (laughs) that it's very safe to say that the majority of Democratic voters who are passionate, who are going to be voting in this off-year election in Virginia, are going to have the abortion issue on their minds. Not necessarily every Republican is going to have that on their minds, Mm. and I think that's really important. We've seen this in elections around the country. In my home state of Wisconsin, I'm sure that uh, political watchers will know that the Wisconsin State Supreme Court, which was uh, traditionally a conservative court, it swung Democratic, and this was all about abortion. So, if you have an elected body right now, and there's one side that favors uh, certain limits to abortion, in Virginia, the Republicans have floated a number of abortion proposals— one of the proposals that is supported by Governor Glenn Youngkin, he's repeatedly said he would support a 15-week ban on most abortions, with the usual exceptions, you know, for rape and incest. He has said that he supports a 15-week abortion ban. Mm. Uh, the other side, it's it's something of an all-or-nothing issue for Democrats. Frankly, I mean, the Democrats seem very unwilling to uh, negotiate on this issue in Virginia. They're saying they're they're holding firm. In fact. Since the Democrats control the state Senate in this past legislative session, we saw all these abortion proposals pass in Virginia's House of Delegates. Right. Then go to the Senate and get then they get struck down. And the leadership in the Senate, the Democratic leadership in Virginia Senate, has said they're like a blue wall. They say we're a blue brick wall and you're not going to get this Mm. type of legislation passed. And the abortion legislation is just one issue. Right. Right. And there are many other issues that if the Republicans were to take control of Virginia's General Assembly, Virginia would change as a state overnight because things are so polarized right now. You can very clearly see a state led by Republicans taking a very different turn, not just with abortion. Certainly abortion is dominating much of our political discussion right now. But there are other issues here. And Virginia could look very, very different right after the election, you know, it it really depends on what happens. It's certainly possible, though, that the Democrats will win both chambers. It's certainly possible that it'll stay just like it is with Republicans controlling one and Democrats controlling the other. So as we were saying, Virginia is going to be watched by the entire country, by everybody who cares about politics. It's going to be front and center. It's going to be a very big deal.
0: We've been hearing from WTOP reporter Nick Ionelli. Coming up, we're going to dive into the numbers and see what the polls say about who's going to control the General Assembly. Nick talked to a state elections pollster, Chaz nuttycomb who gives us his best bet on what's going to happen after Election Day. Stick around. And we're back. Now let's get into the numbers. You talked to a pollster earlier about the chances and mm. how close razor thin these margins are. Can you talk a little bit about that? You know, I don't expect you to rattle off the numbers for each you know race, but what are the numbers looking like as we head into the election?
1: Okay. So there's a website called C Analysis, which is nonpartisan and it looks at state lawmakers. It looks at state legislative elections. And I was very interested to talk to the person who runs this website, uh, his name is Chaz. I am
2: the director of C-Analysis, which is a group that specializes in state legislative elections around the country. But we do have a knack for Virginia.
1: I talked to him, I interviewed him, talked all about Virginia, and he's got all the numbers. He looks at individual districts, looks at their voting histories, uh, especially when it comes to recent presidential and gubernatorial elections. This is what uh, he uses. This is what he and his team use to determine the numbers on these. And he projects that Democrats will take control of the House and keep control of the state Senate.
2: The Democrats are slight favorites in each chamber. Um, They have somewhere around uh, 60 something percent. Chance of victory at the moment,
1: but it is so close. And Mm. here's what his website says. All right. So right now in Virginia's House of Delegates, it is essentially 48, 52, 52 Republicans, 48 Democrats. Okay, right. He projects that at the end of the election, it's going to be 52 Democrats and 48 Republicans. A flip an exact flip. And then in the Virginia Senate which is currently controlled by Democrats, 22 to 18. He predicts that it's going to stay 22 18 Democrats. Mm. And he does have some interesting ways to predict these elections. But, of course, anything can happen.
2: The toss-up districts are just so close. I mean, these are races that are likely to be decided um, by under four points. If I were to ballpark it, I would be surprised if either party won by outside of that margin.
1: And he's talking about just a matter of a few seats, a few elections here and there out of all 140 seats that are going to be on the ballot in November. So, yes, he's got some, you could argue, reliable statistics that he's looking at here in terms of demographics of districts, voting histories, the amount of money that candidates have raised and spent. He looks at all that stuff. But these are just projections. And of course, he was very clear to say, look,
2: that's not to say that the Republicans can't win both chambers, which people should not underestimate.
1: These are just projections based on an informed analysis of what is happening there.
0: And Nick, it's you know, an informed analysis that's made all the more uncertain because there's been a lot of line changing. And what I mean by that is the borders between districts have changed. You know, tell us how that might impact the outcome of this election.
1: All of these races in this upcoming election, mm. they're all mixed and matched. Okay. And what I mean by that is all the districts were changed. All the districts were redrawn a couple of years ago. And this is the first general election that Virginia is going to have with all different districts. It led to a ton of retirements. The General Assembly is going to look different. And I was thinking about how to describe this to you, and I think the best way to describe it is, let's say you're a representative of Virginia in District 6, mm-hmm. and I'm a representative in District 7. The districts got redrawn, and now we're both in District 8. That, hap- that happened all across Virginia with all of these lawmakers, leading to some resignations, some open seats. You know, that's the situation that Virginia's in. So not only is it a huge election, but everything's all mixed up so it's some of the demographics we don't quite understand 100 percent yet because all of these districts are new. So that's something else. Also, it's a it's a new playing field for Virginia politics. And it's a huge election coming up. So really, really interesting time to be watching Virginia. And then, of course, there's the Glenn Youngkin possibility of running for the White House. So, yeah, Virginia is going to be everybody's focus of attention in the next few months.
0: And as we really approach the election, with margins this slim, you know, news stories, updates in and around the election can change and can flip, you know, the direction, Mm -hmm. um, in other words. And education has really dominated Virginia as a political issue. And recently, in recent weeks, there's been a lot of movement kind of in this big case in Loudoun County of two cases of sexual assault. Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin, you know, pardoned the father of, you know, the victim of those assault cases. Mm -hmm. Um, The Loudoun County School Board, you know, supervisor has since stepped away. There's still a lot going on, you know, in that issue and parental rights. How do you see education as an issue impacting this uh, election?
1: I think that when Glenn Youngkin ran for governor, education was his issue. And it was in part because of the pandemic. Remember, there was that whole issue over masks in school. Mm. That was one of the reasons Glenn Youngkin became a national figure immediately upon being inaugurated, because He took this fight to the school districts and these political issues that are paid attention to around the country or on social media, these things that gain traction, they come and go. And that's one of the things that I was talking about earlier with Glenn Youngkin needing a national issue Mm. to get national eyes on him, especially around this time in the next few months. He needs something like that. I don't think education is going to be the issue that it was for him at the beginning. Unfortunately for Glenn Youngkin and the Republicans, it looks like the issue is abortion this time around. When Glenn Youngkin ran for governor, he had a debate with his Democratic opponent, Terry McAuliffe, the former Virginia governor. And Terry McAuliffe said something that stood out in voters' minds. And if there are people listening to this right now, I'm sure that you know what I'm talking about. And that's when... Terry McAuliffe said something along the lines of, well, why do parents need to be involved in school? Why do we need parents' input? He said something like that. I'm just mm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, I'm not saying an exact quote. That is essentially what he said. (laughs) Yeah, run that cut. I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. You know, I get really tired of everybody running down teachers. And that was something of a turning point because it resonated with parents everywhere, even parents who weren't necessarily all the way on the right being Republicans, all the way on the left. It just, it was not a great thing to say. It resonated with people, and education it was already an important issue, especially with students' rights in the, in the eyes of the parents when it comes to wearing masks, following certain protocols that maybe parents didn't think were necessary or didn't agree with. Education was huge. This time around, yes, you're mentioning certain pillars of Youngkin's, let's say, culture wars, okay? Mm-hmm. For lack of a better way to describe it, that is what it is. It's, he's going and taking on these individual political battles in these counties because it's beneficial for him he thinks it benefits his constituents and let's just say it like it is it's going to maybe get him some national attention which it has but yeah the the education thing it's it's part of yunkins political legacy and that is not going to go away but he's got to find something else he's got to find something else fast and <laughs> right if, we got yeah, a couple of weeks if the momentum is on the side of the people who are really passionate about the abortion issue, the Republicans are not going to win. And this C-analysis that we were just talking about, the website that analyzes these races, I got to say, if abortion is the number one issue, this seems right. You know, I'm not saying that it's right. I'm not saying this is Mm -hmm. what's going to happen. But certainly this does seem to be something that you would expect to happen. Democrats edging out and and just holding on to the uh, state Senate, Taking the house by a few seats, you could see that happening. You could. We don't know what's going to happen. It could go either way. But yeah, the abortion issue—that's the issue. Education—that's in Yunkin's past, I think. Mm.
0: Now, let's say the Democrats, you know, take over the house and the state senate. Mm-hmm. Does Yunkin risk kind of fading away from political attention? You know, are, is his whole political career at stake here?
1: Well, it's a possibility. I think that. Okay. I'll I'll put on my analyst hat again. Yeah, sorry, I'm okay. really putting you on the analyst. Seat <laughs> I want to put on my analyst <laughs> <Hot> hat. <seat. laughs> I think, as I said, when Glenn Youngkin speaks in certain situations, he sounds like the best speaker on the state level in the country. In my job here, I listen to a lot of politicians who are not national politicians. Right, right. I listen to a lot of local politicians and statewide politicians mostly. And I think that Glenn Youngkin, when he speaks well, he's the best speaker of any state politician I've ever heard. Okay. Uh, You know, when Barack Obama gained so much national attention, it started off with one speech, Barack Mm -hmm. Obama, you know, he got on TV, I believe it was in the Democratic National Convention years back. He got on TV, he, he said this very moving speech about, America and how anything's possible. The audacity of hope. In the end, that is God's greatest gift to us, the bedrock of this nation. He really grabbed the nation's attention. Glenn Youngkin has his own strengths similar to those strengths. Mm. If he was able to get a stage, if he was able to get eyes on him nationally for some reason, and he he got a sustained amount of time where he was able to demonstrate his skills as a speaker, an orator, I guess you could say, uh, then he could get he could stay in that the mindset of this political process that we have currently. But you're right. If the Democrats take over the General Assembly, it's going to be an issue for Youngkin and he's going to need to find something, something to get him that national attention. He's going to have the national attention in the next few months, but it's really going to be focused on whether his party is going to take control or not. If not, he really will have to find something else. We don't know what that something else is. News happens. You know, news comes and goes. Mm -hmm. Who knows what's around the corner for Virginia? What might attract national attention in Virginia? We just don't know. But he'll need to find something. He will need to find something other than, look what I was able to do in Virginia, which obviously will be his talking point if republicans take control look what i did look what i did here that's going to be his thing if not he'll have to find a new thing Mm.
0: well nick we appreciate you for putting on your analyst hat and your reporter hat it's still on right now i think (laughs) i think it looks good on you but again thank you so much for your time all right thanks luke And that'll do it for us today here on WTOP's DMV Download Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, let us know how we're doing. Give us some stars or a view on your favorite podcast platform. This show is brought to you by WTOP News. Listen on 103.5 FM in the D.C. area, 107.7 FM in Virginia, and 103.9 FM in Frederick, Maryland. Online at WTOP.com and, of course, on the WTOP News app. Have a great week. We'll talk Wednesday.